0: Welcome to Game Breaking Feature, the podcast where we analyze and discuss common elements of modern video game design and development. My name is Stephen Bennett, and in this episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Rather than discussing our usual topics, we're instead going to be taking a look back at some of our favorite games, seeing how they hold up today. Is something lost by experiencing these games in a modern context? Which games hold up and which don't? To hold my hand as we take a stroll down
1: memory lane is my good friend, Jared Bruner. Jared, how you doing, man? Hey, Stephen. Welcome back. I'm glad we are able to get another episode out before I get super busy with this other project again. So uh, I've missed everybody. How have you been? I've
0: been good, man. Yeah are you able to Are you able to talk a little bit about what, what you've been working on? Um,
1: no. <laughs> um, okay, perfect. <laughs> I have signed several NDAs, and uh, there was a company wide meeting about how important those NDAs and serious they are. So I'm gonna go ahead I- and play it safe on this one. But you can say that you're you're it's it's
0: career related, right? It is, yeah. It's a it's a TV okay. show. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, we can, I understand. Hopefully, the listeners understand. You got to make a living. It's true, true. I can't quit my day job quite yet. But man, it, it's exciting. You got a sounds like you got a pretty sweet gig over there. You actually got your well shit. Now I don't even know if I can say this. Producing credit. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. Is this going to get cut out of the episode? No,
1: no. no. Um, yeah, I'm a producer on this gig which is nice because up until now i've been associate producer so quite a big bump for me um and hopefully there will be more down the line or we can monetize this congrats, podcast congrats. and i'll just live off that <laughs> yeah don't, don't hold your breath dude. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i'm glad we we're able to sneak this one
0: in and we will hopefully be returning to our uh, our usual format that everyone's used to pretty soon here we have honestly some some really great guests and some cool topics lined up it's just at this point sort of a, a matter of of scheduling everything so please bear with us cuz we do have some some really cool stuff on the horizon and i hope you i hope our listeners kind of stick around to check some of that stuff out but today we're we're kind of uh, filling some time with a little bonus episode talking about why games hold up over time why some don't some of our favorites that have held up or have not hold, not held up um, now this is actually, and this might be a little bit behind the scenes kind of stuff for the listeners, but this was something that we had, that we recorded really, really early on. Like this, this might've been the second or third recording we ever did when we were thinking about putting this podcast together.
1: Yeah. It was like, we need to test our equipment out basically.
0: Yeah. And and we figured it was, I thought we had a good conversation, but sort of the, the format of our show has changed so much since then. I didn't want us to, to release that old product so we'll just we'll make a new crummy product for everyone to listen (laughs) to (laughs) it'll be a a new brand of bad but way back way back then jared back in the year 2017 when we started this podcast and we were we were so young so naive uh why why did we settle on this topic do you
1: remember I don't know. It's just something that I think has been on my mind a lot. And, you know, it's been a couple of years or a year or whatever um, since we recorded that first one. And I, I still think about it pretty regularly. Yeah, I think the original the
0: the game that got us talking about this topic in particular is Half-Life 2, a game that I know a lot of people have a great deal of fondness for. And I don't know, does, does Half-Life 2 hold up? over time if you go back and play half-life 2 is it is it just as good today i you know i think this was part of the reason we were starting to think about this topic of which games you know hold up over time and which don't but jared let's just get our let's just get our opinions of half-life 2 out of the way i'm I'm sure people who've listened to this show already are familiar with our thoughts but what do do you think
1: about half-life 2 i think it did some important things in its day I, i didn't play it until orange box came out so some years after its initial release and while I appreciated what it brought to the genre, I mean it was it was pivotal uh, for single player first person shooters. I was underwhelmed with it when I when I finally got around to beating it. I uh, I
0: loved Half Life Two when it came out. I, I had built a PC right around the time that Half Life Two came out and uh, really enjoyed it, but not enough to finish it. Which maybe that's kind of strange, but I I loved the uh, the physics based sort of Puzzle components of the game and the uh, the gun that lets you grab things out of the environment and shoot them at enemies like that stuff was all super cool to me. I but, feel like we're just gonna come off as such assholes for like probably
1: whatever. I'm, I didn't like Half Life 2. I did, Being but I, I
0: did like I did like Half Life 2. Sure. The, I don't think I didn't it, dislike it. I don't think it's held up as well as maybe some people believe that it does though, and that's that was the whole point of us originally having this discussion, right? It was I think a lot of people believe that Half-Life 2 was the best first-person shooter ever made. And maybe it was. I mean, it, it was pretty creative graphically. It really pushed the envelope at the time it came out. The physics were almost unprecedented at that time. It did a lot of really great things. The, the reason that I, I just, you know, I don't have any desire to go back and play Half-Life 2. And the reason I'm maybe not necessarily super excited about a Half-Life 3 is because I feel like everything that Half-Life 2 did well has now been done so much better by other games
1: right I think that's a, that's a good way to sum it up
0: yeah and I, and I think that we'll maybe find as we have in this discussion that that's a big part of why certain games hold up and certain games don't I guess we can dive into that now which like what what kinds of games do you think hold up really well over time Jared like what, what game sort of sticks out in your mind as a game that has done a very good job of maintaining an
1: audience and and deservedly so I mean it's it's you can look at it from a few different perspectives right if you look at graphics you know pretty much anything that was sprite based i think holds up better than wrong
0: wrong the most correct
1: answer. the correct answer was world of warcraft jared oh <laughs> that sorry was, that was that was, what we were, that was the homework. answer we were waiting for no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, what even world saying? of warcraft you know that that game it hasn't hold up they, they they've they've actually evolved that game the graphics have changed they've they've improved the graphics over the lifetime of that game and it has like six expansions now just another one just came out this game's been out for 20 years um <laughs> it's not been out for 20 well years. it feels like it <laughs> i can't believe people are still playing that game it's like the only game, mmo that has held up you know outside of you know like runescape and a couple others maybe but People are still playing WoW and, you know, they're going to release WoW classic servers eventually where it's basically just vanilla WoW. And I'm wondering if people are really going to enjoy that as much as they think they will. They they have well, added so much to regular World of Warcraft. Um, I think people might be looking at that stuff through rose colored glasses, going back and playing the vanilla version might not be the experience they wanted for they they want that feeling back but maybe not well, those mechanics see, that's a very that's a very specific example because i know what you're
0: saying yeah like is the the average person who plays wow and remembers the old days are they going to enjoy going back to the old servers and seeing what you know vanilla wow was like but i i, I think those people might end up being disappointed but um a year or two ago, Blizzard shut down a bunch of third-party servers that were running vanilla WoW, and it upset a large portion of the audience. But I think they shut all those servers down because they were planning on doing this—you know, releasing their own first-party servers for the vanilla version of WoW. So there, there already was a pretty substantial audience of people who were playing the vanilla WoW that they're hoping to
1: regain with with uh, these new servers. We'll, we'll see how many people that actually is. I mean, they, they, they disappointed that whole community all at once. So, of course, they were vocal about it. But uh, the overall player base, I, I'm I'm interested to see if they really respond to that. Yeah, me too. But the other thing you touched on that I think
0: was an excellent point was just the continued support for World of Warcraft being a big reason why that game has continued to exist and succeed on the level that it does. Is Blizzard has put a lot of Effort into keeping people engaged with that game, Um, not just with the expansions, but then also rolling out little updates after the expansions that add new content or supplement the content from that expansion uh, has gone a long way. And yeah, even they at one point they even did a big graphical overhaul with the Cataclysm expansion, they sort of redesigned the world the way the world had was sort of laid out and gave people new reasons to explore old areas. So they, they've done a really good job supporting that game over time to keep people engaged. But th- there's one other thing I think cannot be overlooked when you're talking about a game like World of Warcraft, which was the art style that they chose to use when they designed that game. Um, you look at a game like EverQuest, which was an MMO that preceded World of Warcraft, for some of our younger <laughs> listeners who may, may not remember all those years ago. But EverQuest... Um, also sent in a sort of fantasy environment but went for a i don't know i hesitate to call it a photorealistic look but at the time it was you know the graphics were pretty good and they were trying to recreate reality with the the graphic capability that they had at that time and as graphics have improved even just playing like monster hunter the other day i was thinking to myself like holy cow if if eight-year-old me knew that video games were going to get to this point, it would have blown my mind. But EverQuest, I would say, doesn't hold up because the graphical style, I think, impedes uh, someone's ability to enjoy that game because it looks crummy. Yeah. But because because World of Warcraft chose that cartoonish art style, I think that that's been a huge help to the longevity of that
1: game. I I would say so. I mean, I'm sure people would come back and say that people are still playing old school RuneScape. And that game looks like shit still today. (laughs) Like, I don't even know that it it looked good back then, but people still enjoy that that game. Um, So I don't know. Community and mechanics, I think, can, in certain situations, trump crappy graphics.
0: Oh, I I don't disagree with that at all. But I don't think that RuneScape has the player base that World of Warcraft does. Sure, even even whatever it is, fifteen years later, is that how old World of Warcraft is?
1: I don't know. I don't want to face my mortality today.
0: (laughs) But yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly there are. I think you know, gameplay standards can hold up over time the same way graphics can hold up over time. But I don't think that you can completely overlook the importance
1: of graphics on on these things right i mean like i was Um, saying earlier like if you go back and look at a lot of super nintendo games and you can just plug those games straight in and they look great still i mean before before i rudely interrupted you yeah no i just (laughs) just i wanted to clarify my point is just look at any snes game for the most part as long as it's not something like doom that they ported over and compare that to early ps1 games and that does not hold up whatsoever i think we're gonna lose a lot of important gaming history due to the fact that people just can't even look at that early polygon <laughs> stuff anymore it's it's bad um you know it some, some physically games, hurts their eyes it it is it it, it is hard to discern it's some actually offensive to your sensibilities I think I was watching someone play police knots recently and man I was, I was having a hard time picking out which triangles were doing what <laughs> that's kind of rough that the early polygon art style the the shift to 3D it's it's hard to go back to and some PlayStation games did hold up when they went for you know I'm thinking Resident Evil 2 the pre-rendered background look that mm-hmm. sort of holds up but even then it's pretty rough i was just going to say there's
0: there's actually well obviously we've seen a resurgence in people using that pixel art style like that obviously that's like a huge modern art style to be like oh look it looks like you're playing an old Sega Genesis game but I've recently seen people going back and starting to recreate the PlayStation 1 look but mostly that the sort of Resident Evil Parasite Eve pre-rendered background kind of stuff what what are the advantages to a game having longevity Jared like is it to a a developer's benefit to think about the longevity of their game or should that just be not a concern at all
1: i mean nowadays yeah longevity is i think a huge focus because if i look at any game that's come out in the last five years you know it's games as a service design where mm, you're, yeah. you're trying to support that game post-release with additional content dlc microtransactions whatever it is uh, so i think that that business model has shifted quite a bit towards the longevity of, of a lot of games even if they're single-player focused. See, this is weird because I think there's a
0: lot of things that actually come into play when we're talking about the way that modern games as service are designed. One of the big ones I think has been sort of beneficial to some of these is the fact that console generations have lasted longer. It used to be like every four years you could expect the next console to come out with better, significantly better graphics. And now I feel like video game developers have the benefit of a console's lifespan being five, six, seven, eight years. I forget what the, the span between PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 was, but it was a, it was a good long time.
1: Yeah, now we're releasing so, half steps of these machines.
0: So they were sort of, there was this built-in longevity to these games, at least from a graphical standpoint, where it's like you knew when you released a certain game that it was going to look just as good two years from now, three years from now uh, as it did right now. Uh, so that I, th- I think that's a that's a part of it but you bring up a good point right is like a lot of these games are trying to secure a player base for a long time i look at it i think about a game like destiny and i'm curious like what you know is that something that they have in mind because destiny is a game that is designed more or less to appear photorealistic how long can they keep destiny 2 looking like The graphical standard before something else comes along and looks even better and replaces it as the the standard for graphics
1: yeah i'm i i think that modern games like everything after playstation 3 for the most part is diminishing returns sure we're going to get better lighting you're going to get better physics and animations but for the most part like you know, round objects are round. You don't have club feet in hands anymore. And things look like the things that they're supposed to. So I would guess that those types of graphics, you know, since the move to 1080, it's is going to hold up fairly well for a, quite a long time. Because at this point, you know, NVIDIA just re- announced their next line of graphics cards. And they're super expensive, but they have ray tracing which is like simulating how light bounces off of of objects as opposed to baking it into the engine like that stuff is not huge giant leaps like the playstation 2 to playstation 3 or the playstation 1 to the playstation 2 those graphical leaps we don't have that big of a jump anymore
0: i i think the the area where you will see significant improvements is in the design of human characters because i agree with you i think for the most part it you could even sometimes show a picture of des. I, I could show a picture of Destiny two to my mom, who doesn't really play video games that often, and she would. I she might believe it's an actual photograph of some place in Russia. But I think that the the place where graphics fall apart and where we will see those significant improvements in graphical fidelity are going to be in the ways that people are represented. Because I still think people in games tend to look kind of plastic, animatronic, uh, and, and a little off-putting like I don't think I could ever trick my mom into believing even one of the characters in Injustice 2 which I think is maybe some of the best character modeling I've seen in video games Uh, I don't think I could even trick her into thinking that that was a real person because it still just looks so uh, we we're just we're on that like uphill struggle out of the uncanny valley on the other side I think
1: yeah
0: but I think one of the one of the areas where of designing for a game's longevity is really important is in eSports. I think about a game like Overwatch, which Blizzard has designed from the ground up to be an eSport, and they've now invested significant amount of money into their own Overwatch leagues. And when you're making a game like Overwatch and you want it to be an eSport that is played for years and years and years, you can't have it be something that looks crummy when you turn it on on ESPN. It has to always be appealing for the length of time that you want it to be an esports. So, just like with World of Warcraft, I think Blizzard did a smart thing in making Overwatch more of a cartoony-looking game. Because I think that that cartooniness lends itself to always being appealing rather than designing it to look photorealistic at the time, because
1: a few years from now, that will get replaced by something that looks even better. Blizzard is definitely... As, as a company that releases a new game like once every five years, Blizzard, I think has its hand on the, on that pulse pretty well of as far as art styles go, they've, they've always kind of been that, that developer that they, they know that they are going to continue to support this product long past its release. And that's, I mean, that's how they make their money. So um, it, it is definitely one of the companies I think that does that the best for sure. Now, what other games in your mind have held up really well over time? I don't know. I think a lot of RTS games hold up pretty well. You know, if we go back to Blizzard again, start, people played StarCraft right up until the, the new StarCraft came out. And then even then, people still played the original StarCraft because it felt better. Age of Empires 2 comes to mind. That game is still a ton of fun. It Looks a little rough, but they, you know, they, they did an HD upgrade of that, and it's still the same game with higher resolution textures. The mechanics, I feel, are still hold up. Uh, the, the whole RTS as a genre really hasn't evolved too much past its prime, you know, back in the days of Command and & Conquer and, and original StarCraft, and I, I think that those mechanics have been tried and true for a very long time. Oh, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely onto something when you say
0: that, because I think that... Part of the reason some games don't age well is not necessarily something that the game did wrong. It's just the way that expectations of players have changed over time. And you talk about a game like an RTS, which more or less has always sort of been the same kind of formula. There hasn't been a whole lot of drastic changes to the way that RTSs play. Um, It makes me think about why a game like Mario 64, I think, holds up really well. And a game like GoldenEye maybe doesn't hold up so well. In Mario 64, yeah, it has like a cartoony art style, but 3D platforming is still kind of the same. It still kind of controls the same. The objectives are still kind of the same. Where a game like GoldenEye, the way that we control first-person shooters and our expectations about first-person shooters have changed so much since that game came out that it, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up in the same way that Mario 64 does. And it's not because it it looks any better or worse than Mario 64, but I think a big part of it is just because our expectations as players of those games and those genres has either changed or hasn't changed.
1: Yeah, I, I purposefully avoid GoldenEye. I, l- I had so many good times on Nintendo 64 playing that when I was a kid. But looking at going back and looking at footage of that stuff, even... You can see how bad it, it it does not hold up. Like the faces are like these photo scans stretched over a potato. Um, the performance drops down to like fifteen frames per second in some areas. It it, it looks bad. And I most recently played GoldenEye when it was re released on the Wii. And I'm sorry. It they didn't you know they updated the graphics a bit, but man. I cannot go back to that style of shooter anymore. It just feels terrible. It's it it's not a fun game to go back to. I, I, I prefer to just leave those memories as memories. Um and it's it's kind of unfortunate. Like I when I have kids, I could explain to them how much it, i enjoyed that game, but trying to show them what that's like, I, I don't think you could show that to someone who didn't play it in its prime and really articulate the feeling that you had back in its you know, when it came out.
0: Well, one of the other things that we, when we were originally talking about Half-Life 2, the question that came up is like, should you have played it in its time? Like, is it too late to go back and play Half-Life 2 or should should people seek out that experience even though that experience might be a little bit dated? I think that if you've played Call of Duty game, like a, a modern Call of Duty game, you've already played Half-Life 2, right? Like you've already played... The better version of that of that old game. I don't know that it's necessary. It's necessarily important for someone to go back and play GoldenEye. I have the because quote if, for the if,
1: podcast: "Call of Duty is better than Half-Life 2. <laughs> if we if we weren't going <laughs> to get is. hate mail, it is.
0: No, I'm just I'm just saying that like the mechanics, all of the improvements that Half-Life Two made uh, when it originally came out have now been done better by other games. And maybe not, maybe Call of Duty might not be the perfect example, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? Like there are other modern first person shooters that have already incorporated all the lessons learned from Half-Life 2 and now done them better. And it looks better and it's, it's much more playable in a modern context. So I don't know, it's necessarily critical to go back and play those games or to feel like you've missed out if you didn't play them in their heyday, because I think that if you're playing modern games, you're already sort of playing the, you're already probably playing the better version of that thing now that's not going to stop me from making my kid play nes but that's just because i want him to be like a video game hipster as he grows up <laughs> <laughs> uh, i
1: mean he's, there's he's a gonna couple be of things there the- you said you said should people go back and play these games and i, I think i would agree with you and no you, you you don't you shouldn't you shouldn't feel the need to go back and play them i don't think you're going to get much from going back and playing something like half-life 2 unless you are super interested like us and run a podcast about video game history and mechanics and you're really interested in the, the history of that stuff. Um, but, you know, for, I'm not for, saying for...
0: you shouldn't, I'm not saying you shouldn't. And I'm also not saying that there's nothing, there's no
1: important reasons to do it. I'm just saying it would take a very if, sp- specific person to, for me to recommend that you go back and play half life too. Yeah. yeah. I, it's not, imp- I, I don't think it's important,
0: but that's not to say that you can't get, Something meaningful out of going back and replaying those old games, but I'm just saying that if people have a, a like a feeling like, oh, I didn't play it back in the day, should I go back and play it, or should I seek out it, you know, an HD remake or, of it or whatever it is, I would say like maybe maybe don't don't worry about it so much.
1: And, and you know, I think you said something else like the feeling of missing out on this stuff, and I would say, yeah, you missed out, and there's no way that you can really go back and experience it like it was when it first came out you know it's that is i think what i really think about the most when we talk about this discussion is the, the zeitgeist of playing a game when other people are also playing the game because you'll never get that at half-life 2 experience going back so no when i look at you know modern games that are coming out and everyone's talking about them it, the, a community is growing around it i do feel the urge to play that game while everyone else is. You know, I feel like if I wait, wait for a sale, wait for a year or two, I'm going to miss out on a lot of things that people uh, really enjoyed about that game when when it was first released, like Dark Souls, for example. I don't think I can go back and play the first Dark Souls anymore because that game has been, everyone has experienced that game. They know all the secrets. It's been beaten. And I don't know. I just, I don't think it would feel the same going back to something like that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You certainly, I mean, like, Goldeneye,
0: you and I were now in our early 30s. Goldeneye came out when we were in,
1: God, were we in elementary school,
0: junior high, somewhere around there? I was there?
1: definitely in elementary school, yeah.
0: Elementary school, all right. It was, like, magic, but, it, yeah, you definitely could not, you can't recreate that magic. Like, it's, we've now progressed so far beyond that point that that experience is locked in time specific time when we when we were young playing that game and
1: this is where i have the existential crisis i'm like it because you don't know which what those games are going to be you know <laughs> like the game <laughs> exactly. the, right like the new spider-man that's coming out or the new red dead i will probably play those as soon as they come out because i'm super interested in it but if i didn't in 10 years from now I'm like man remember when that first spider-man came out and changed everything <laughs> yeah. like i i you don't know when that's going to happen. So like, I've always feel the urge to play the newest games just because I'm a gaming nerd maybe, but I think that's a big part of it for me. Um, just enjoy the game you're playing, whatever game you're playing, just enjoy
0: that one. Don't worry about, don't worry so much about being in on the, the big ass movement. I mean, especially lately, you know, like when we were younger, there were only a handful of games that came out each year for whatever console you had, you know, like there were the big ones and then there were a bunch of, I don't know, like Robocop video games that came out. You know what I mean? But you knew it, you kind of knew which ones were going to be the big bangers and which ones were just going to be the like entertain you for an afternoon and then you return it to Blockbuster. But now like, there's just so many games coming out. I think it's impossible to know what's going to be that like that big hit if there is even such a thing as that anymore. Now I think, you know, everything is audiences are, are so spread out because there's such a wide variety of games that you can enjoy any game and, and have it be that special experience for you.
1: I kind of I recently went back and started playing Bloodborne for the first time. And great game. Great game. It is. It's a really good game. And I was slightly worried, the same worry that I had with Dark Souls, the original Dark Souls uh or, I'm sorry, Demon Souls. Man, I really fucked that Ooh, up. Even even further back. Yeah, and you know, I was I was a little worried about that. I was like, "Oh, you know, everyone's going to be super good at Bloodborne, like I'm going to get in and people are going to invade me and it's not going to be as fun as you know back then but i i found that just exploring by myself was, was still rewarding there are still people playing through that game you know there's there's plenty of messages to read on the ground you can still get help when you want to if you want to summon another player and cheat like i do it holds up because people are still interested in playing it i guess and and also
0: again it's one of those things where that style of game hasn't changed much like if you uh, I played Demon's Souls when it came out. And at this point, that's probably, what, like 10 years ago? Maybe a little less than that. But not a lot about that genre has changed. So I, I think that's part of the reason that it still kind of holds up today is that we haven't seen what the next big version of that style of game looks like yet.
1: Circling back to games as a service, Destiny 2, 10 years from now... Like, are you even going to be able to play that game? Like, will the I servers still There's... be up? Do you need the servers? Because you, I don't think you can play that game offline, right? So, we're going to lose, I think, a big chunk of video games that are always on, always connected to time eventually. It like yeah. stuff that's SNES, that stuff will always be there because it's in a physical media and you owned it and you just popped it in. But yeah, these games that, uh, hold up because of their online connectivity and the communities like they they'll go away when those servers go away and I, mm. there's something sad about that i don't think, I don't think anyone i don't think anyone's gonna miss
0: destiny 2 <laughs> 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 i think well partly because i think destiny is designed for, uh, around the community and by you know 10 years from now they'll be onto destiny 5 or whatever it is and that's where all the community will be will be playing it and sure some people will long for the the heyday of destiny 2 but I think that'll be a small subset of Destiny's
1: audience. I mean, we've already seen some of this stuff happen with Games for Windows Live. Dark Souls, when it first came out for PC, was a Games for Windows Live thing. You had to have that installed or and running to run the game. And then Games for Windows Live went away. They stopped supporting it. And fortunately, from software, they went back to this 10-year-old game or whatever it is and patched it so that you didn't need that anymore and you could continue playing it on mm. their own servers. But if they hadn't have done that, you would lose a huge chunk of that game, which is, you know, the invasions and the the, the messaging and all that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of it sucks that it, it relied on third parties to exist. But I think we'll start seeing that as some of these games get older.
0: Now I, I kinda wanna loop back around to a question I asked early on, which is you know, why should developers try to design a game with longevity in mind or what are the advantages to it? Like obviously some developers are interested in it. Some don't really care because they know they're going to release the next version of the game next year. But I think one of the areas where thinking about longevity is an important thing is in the indie space where these developers are making so little money that being able to sell the game a year after it comes out or two years after it comes out or 10 years after it comes out is actually probably a consideration uh, I think indie games really benefit from designing with the idea of longevity in mind. I think about a game like, well, there's so many, any of the indie games that have used pixel art styles. I, I think a big part of that is a very conscious decision because they looked at these old, the market looked at old games like the SNES and said, hey, these games still look as good and play as well as they ever did. So we can if we can recreate that style, we can tell a new kind of story or introduce a new kind of mechanic you know, we can release the game today and five years from now still sell it to someone because it still looks and plays just as well as
1: it did the day it came out. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I mean, also, it's cheaper to make. It's cheaper to make it with the pixel graphics? Yeah, that style of art is easier, I think, for indie developers to handle versus having to work with a whole new engine in 3D graphics. I'm cu-
0: I'm, I'm curious if it is. I, don't, I guess I don't, I don't know enough about design to say that it is or is not. I just think that, collectively there's a there's an advantage to using that art style. But I mean there's other games. Like a great example is a game like West of Loathing. A game that basically said like we don't give a shit about graphics. That that's we're stick just gonna, figures, right? Yeah, they're just gonna use fucking stick figures. You know? Like they, they basically said, look, it's all about the gameplay. And they, that game relies heavily on humor, which I mean humor changes over time, but doesn't change that much over a short period of time. Uh, and then it also relies on jrpg video game mechanics which also have not changed a whole lot in the last 20 years so they've they've released a game that will look just as shitty 10 years from now as it does today (laughs) but that's kind of to their benefit right like people who follow me on twitter may know like i'm pretty soon looking to build a pc and and that a pc is kind of where i prefer to play a lot of indie video games that's one of the games i'm looking forward to trying out and it will look and play just as well when I get my PC built as the day that it came out. So, I mean, I, th- I think that's intentional on their part to say, like, look, graphics aren't important. What is important are these gameplay mechanics that are going to hold up because the expectations in these areas have not changed much over time. Um, are, there, are there any other games you can think about, Jared? Like, games from a long time ago that maybe... Look crummy, but have held up for one reason or another. Like, I think a big part of our discussion has been around you know games graphically holding up. But is there anything you can think of that like looks crummy but still plays just as well today?
1: Yeah, pretty much any retro game that was in an arcade at some point. Like, it's well, that's still cheating. It's still fun to play Pac Man. It's still it is, fun to definitely. play Defender and Centipede. Like that, those games. Have disagree been... with you on Defender. <laughs> well, you know, they, those games have been out forever. They've been Redone by everybody, and they they're still fun to play because they are pretty straightforward. Shoot the thing, chase the thing, run away from the thing, and the graphic style is what it is. You know, it's it's you can iterate on it if you want, but it's still fine. It still works. Now, I did have the opportunity last year to play Space War, which we talk about a lot on this, mm-hmm. um, which is a game where you are a ship shooting at things. Man, that is—I mean, I played it on a MAME machine on a, but it was still a CRT that was in that thing, and it just looks like shit. Like it's just so bad to go to. It just, it does not hold up quite as well as I think games that came out post. I'd be I'd be curious
0: if we see if we start to see sentiments about games like Pac-Man change as as we move forward. You know, I mean, like Pac-Man has sort of been the go-to. Like this game will always look good no matter how old it is. But you think about a game like Space War, that one's sort of aging out of... I would agree with you. I think it's sort of aging out of being playable, except except as like a novelty. I'm, I'm curious if we will ever reach a point where we look back at Pac-Man and we go, ugh, how
1: did people ever play this game? I think Mario Brothers is a little hard to go back to. It is, actually. For NES. It's, it doesn't look... you know It looks worse than you remember usually when I go back to it I'm like oh yeah Super Super Mario Brothers is actually where you want to start <laughs> because yeah it's the the NES it could only do so much and it did establish the Mario platformer but I think that it really hit its stride after that the Super Mario Brothers I would agree now a game that I you know you, you took the cheater
0: answer and, and said arcade games which of course are the Still hold up pretty well in spite of having technically, I, don't, I want to say worse, but not worse graphics, but just you know, graphics that are that are no longer the the standard. But I I was thinking of a game like Max Payne, Max Payne One. I think is a game that in spite of now looking very dated, and it does look dated, I I think holds up from a gameplay standpoint really really well, and I think the story that it tells is still spectacular. Like it's still the people who've played Max Payne, it's a story about storytelling in video games, if that makes sense. like It is a commentary on the way that video games, movies, comic books tell their stories. And I think that the the stuff that that game is saying is still just as important today as it was when that game originally came out. And the gameplay still holds up. Um, it's just really just the graphics or the things that I think... Uh, have some been left
1: the acting the voice work in that first game is not super great you can tell they like recorded it in their office at their desk with one of the programmers really
0: i i don't i guess i don't really remember like some of the i guess maybe the
1: uh the, the max Payne characters is fine but yeah he's it, he's it, great yeah all of the the, extra the bad guys and stuff yeah, yeah they're yeah they're, i guess they don't so. i can see up that well. and i say this having played max Payne one within the last like three years yeah um Ma- that, that
0: would be sort of my answer to this question. Um, if you haven't played Max Payne 1 or Max Payne 2, go play them. i pretty sure you can pick them up on Steam. I think that's where I played them last time.
1: Something else come, came to mind when you are talking about that, and that's games like Doom and Quake. Um, I think that Doom holds up in that it's still fun to run around in a fast-paced environment. Like The graphics are fine. You can still see what you're trying to shoot at. Um and they actually even released new levels for Doom within the last year or two. Hmm, that's um, cool. Yeah, I think it was was it John Carmack who was the developer on that. No, um,
0: not Romero. John Romero. Romero. I don't know if that's who released had anything to do with the new levels,
1: but I'm pretty sure Romero was the original
0: guy who originally designed Doom.
1: I'm looking this up. People people still play Doom. It's it's still a fun game. But that being said people have modded it so that you can now shoot with a mouse and not just keyboard because the original doom did not have mouse mouse support. You did everything on on one horizontal plane. You didn't look up or down uh, and your gun kind of auto-aimed depending on if they're above or below you. Yeah, I remember that. uh, Yeah. So that, that, that that aspect of it does not hold up very well, but the overall gameplay does. So I would, I would lump doom and, you know, quake, Has been remade a bunch, but people still play original Quake with potato graphics to make sure that they're getting a thousand frames per second so they can be competitive.
0: (laughs) Designers on Doom, John Romero, Sandy Peterson, American McGee, Sean Green, and Tom Hall. There you go. So I'm pretty proud of myself on that John
1: Romero call. Yeah, I I don't know. I blanked on that. I should know those things going into this podcast that we're talking about old games.
0: No, we already set the bar low. We've already established this. No one (laughs) expects anything from us, Jared.
1: That's how I live life.
0: Now, do other mediums deal with this idea of um a product aging out of being important like do star wars whoa that's that's opening a a whole other can (laughs) of worms i i mean like you know are there books Do books ever reach a point where they're like too old to go back
1: and read um i mean if you're talking like going back and reading shakespeare it's like you have to understand what the hell Shakespearean language is like to actually comprehend what you're reading so if we go that far back I would say yes like that's that's hard to read mm-hmm. but if we're talking about modern literature I don't know I, I probably not because you your mind sort of fills in those blanks you're just you're reading ideas as, as opposed to experiencing something that an auth, you know, uh, an artist is created for you to experience in a certain way. It's interesting. Cause I, I think feel like that's a bad are, way to put it, but
0: no, I I think there's certain things like like lang- The way that language changes over time is a big is something important to literature. It is difficult to go back and well, I mean, obviously, Shakespeare wrote plays, not books. But if you're reading the plays, it's it's difficult to go back and understand unless you have a good grasp on that language. But even books from the even Books from that time can be difficult to read. Um, but there's there's things like conventions as well. Like you look at, uh, I don't know, like the Odyssey, right? Like this massive book. It Can you read it and understand what's going on? Yes. Does that make it a good book? That's kind of up in the air because the, the conventions of writing have changed so much over time. Um, what about like paintings? Paint. That's another great example. Now paintings I I don't know I don't I don't think that they really suffer from this I think actually maybe benefit from age you know like there's a certain amount of appreciation for what a painting looked like and how long it's held up that uh, maybe is enhanced by the age of the painting I think about films though too like I I definitely think films run into this right like black and white films <laughs> we you and I we went to school for filmmaking I remember looking at a syllabus one year and it said like in this class it was a warning to the students like in this class we will be watching black and white films and there were legit kids in this class that dropped it because they refused to watch black and white movies that's mind blowing to me but that's something that happens in film like people aren't you know young people especially are not certainly lining up to go watch citizen kane one of my favorite movies of all time it's it's weird like these different mediums have sort of different timeframes for how long a product is viable for a market.
1: I think, but I think Citizen Kane does still hold up. You know, it, it's it ta- citizen. Kane is talked about from an academic standpoint so much that I feel that that might turn people off from experiencing it. But Citizen Kane, like the reason that it is so good is because it established filmmaking techniques that are still used today.
0: Yeah, but you're you're an old man like me. Like <laughs> and and you and I went to school to appreciate this stuff. You know, there's there's not like giant midnight showings of Citizen Kane where they're, you know, selling out theaters it's for people like clamoring to go rewatch it. If it if they ever do put it back in theaters, there's of course there's a small audience of people who are excited to see it on the big screen again, but it's not drawing like Avengers numbers, you know what I mean? Sure. Because I mean, film has, has changed so much. The language of film has changed since then, and and while it's good and established a lot of film conventions, if you've seen uh, <laughs> if you've seen Avengers: Infinity War, maybe you've already seen the better version of Citizen Kane. Oh my god! <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'll get us emails. I am done with this discussion. <laughs> When I think about old films not holding up, I think you know Citizen Kane is not one that comes to mind because I I, have, I am I am of the opinion that it does hold up. I think of other things, you know, something like uh Casablanca. Birth of a nation. Casablanca oh. is probably is is definitely like on maybe my top ten films of all time. I I enjoy that film. I have seen it in theaters as a twenty year old. It, it's a I think it's a good movie, but the the speech patterns in that kind of remind me of old timey radio plays. Everyone is just kind of yelling like this, you see, and they have these weird accents and they, they talk real loud, um, you know, that that kind of thing, the acting, I don't think holds up in a modern sense. Mm. Uh, but um, I, I didn't think Citizen Kane suffered from that as much. It's been a while.
0: I it was li- Citizen Kane. I I literally just said it because it was the only black and white movie I could think of in the, in the moment. <laughs> Maybe not the best example.
1: Yeah, and we could talk about film for a long time, but like as you said, like art, like paintings, that that doesn't I can't think of a good example of where a painting doesn't hold up. Yeah, and um, I was I was
0: also thinking music also. I, I don't know that. I mean the, these things all have different time frames. This is the weird thing. Like yeah, maybe paintings are the one thing that that just lasts forever, but like you know, books have what like a 200 year lifespan where they're going to be readable and viable. And movies have, what, like a 50-year lifespan where they're, you know, considered viable. And it seems like as you move towards more modern uh, art, that window gets smaller and smaller. And now we're at the point with video games where oftentimes a game that's five years old might be considered unplayable because of the way that conventions of video games have changed over time. It doesn't accelerate at that rate with other kinds of entertainment mediums, or maybe I'm, or, or maybe I'm out of my mind. You know, maybe I'm talking <laughs> out my ass, but that's just kind of the feeling that I get when I'm thinking about these other things.
1: I don't really have a good segue into this, but I do want to talk about early access games a little bit. Well, we've never had a good segue into anything. So, early access games <laughs> nailed <of> it. Film, <laughs> um, you know, DayZ is still in. It's early access beta phase, whatever they're in now. I don't think, especially with the evolution of Battle Royale games, Fortnite, PUBG, I don't think if Daisy ever finally comes out 1.0, people are going to care. Sure, they'll play it because they've been waiting for that game to come out for years and years and years. But that style of gameplay was amazing when it was a mod. People iterated on it, made all kinds of different clones of it. I just don't think that people are going to have space in their lives to go back to that survival gameplay. I think I will. It, I'm one of the few, though. I will I give it a go. That. I But I think by the time that that happens, someone else would have already done it better. And I don't know that Daisy will ever have a place back in my life like it did when it was first a thing, you know, yeah. as, a, as oh, an too mod.
0: It's definitely going to be me chasing that dragon trying to recapture the magic of that that mod but I will I will be eagerly awaiting that game when it finally gets its 1.0 release. We'll see. I don't have a whole lot of hope for it. But I, even in talking about that talking about how quickly games progress and expectations progress in the video game medium, you look at a game like Player Unknowns Battlegrounds. Player un I always screw up the name. Player yeah. Unknowns Battlegrounds. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> PUBG. Right, like they 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 released that one in early access, and then Fortnite came out and iterated more quickly, kept up with the expectations of the audience much better than PUBG did, and now PUBG has been almost entirely replaced by Fortnite. And and, and like that, how, that's many, over the how many of, games have the tried that year
1: since since battle royale started really taking off? How many more battle royale games have come out? And the answer is too many, because there's not like there people will always uh, want to play something know. different but what was even the name of the game there was a game that came out by the people who made it was not lawbreakers it was it was by the people of lawbreakers i know
0: that's this is my process for figuring out the name of the company so like we'll edit edit all this out (laughs) lawbreakers ended up failing what was it boss key productions made radical
1: heights that was radical heights is the game i'm trying to talk about yeah The Lawbreakers came out almost at the same time that Overwatch did, and the player base wasn't interested in playing both of them. And, of course, people went with Overwatch, and Lawbreakers hung in there for a while. But as of a couple of months ago, at Lawbreakers' lowest point, there was like five people playing the game. Like, that was the Steam charts numbers. And I think that that studio tried to support themselves by releasing Radical Heights, which was another Battle Royale game which people played and had different opinions on, but then very quickly they shut that down as well. It's just things are moving so quick now. With with how bright that Fortnite is shining, I don't know that something is going to come along and dethrone it anytime soon or if we're going to move on to the next thing first.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that Fortnite did the best, Epic Games did so well with Fortnite, to keep it relevant, in the face of all these other battle Royale games coming out is they were able to implement and support the, like the community feedback so quickly in that game that it kept people, you know, it's managed to keep people engaged, which maybe is the, the new secret sauce to having a game exist for a long period of time. Maybe, maybe now in, in the, in these days of fans being very vocal about their expectations of games, the thing that will make a, a, a video game last a long time in the zeitgeist is going to be how well you do as a video game company responding to feedback.
1: I mean, and Epic is continuing that trend. They, they're releasing new things. Like they have events almost weekly. It seems like with new crazy things oh, happening in, in they the just Fortnite added the map. They just added the cube, the cube. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's fun, but I don't hear people talking about Fortnite as I, as much as I did even, you know, two months ago. So, you're crazy. You think, You're not paying attention then. Maybe. I mean, I know it's still huge. I just, I don't feel like I'm being slapped in the face with it as much as I I feel like it's hit its, its peak already. I and know. I don't know what the longevity of that is. Do you think people are still going to be playing Fortnite in five years or will they be on to the next Fortnite or whatever the next big thing is? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Epic will rip off another game type from someone else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you knew people you were not going to get need, out of
1: this episode unscathed. Like PUBG, they got dethroned as the top Battle Royale pretty quickly. And, yeah. you know, say what you will about whatever business practice allowed that to happen. But I, I don't know that people will be playing PUBG in five years from now. I think there will probably be something better at, by now. I, I don't know. I feel like we're getting off track here a little bit, but. It's interesting. I feel like Fortnite has hit its peak. We will see. Time will tell. I've definitely but, been wrong about this stuff before. I, I think that we've seen graphics, like graphical improve, improvements,
0: stagnate a little bit. So the thing that I think makes, uh, you know, gives a game longevity is like what I was saying. It It is going to be the community interactions. That's what's going to make a game viable for longer where in the past it was almost exclusively graphics were the big thing. It's like, oh, I can't go back and play that game. It looks crummy. Now, you know, graphics are a little bit less important and the gameplay and responsiveness to the community are the, are the big driving forces. But I think we can leave it there. I think we've, I think we've done a pretty good job covering a lot of this discussion. Of course, I'm always curious to hear what our audience has to say. If you have any questions or comments about today's topic or any of our previous topics, you can always send us an email at podcast at gbfeature.com or connect with us at gbfeature on Twitter. Also, we still have
1: Narcosis codes to give away. Yeah, I am I am surprised. We have had some write-ins, but Jeff sent us a ton of codes. So yeah, we got would like to codes. get these off our hands. They're not doing us any good sitting in our uh, mailbox here.
0: We're run, We're running a little bit low on PS4 codes. A lot of people were really excited to get their hands on the PS4 version. Uh, we do still have a few of those laying around, uh, but definitely uh, Xbox and PC if you're excited to play Narcosis on either of those consoles. Right in. Uh, this time, if you want to get your hands on a code, I, I personally would just like to hear what game you think holds up really well in spite of looking bad because of the graphics. That's, that's the kind of stuff I'm really interested in is you know what what games hold up well and why, even if they look crummy by today's standards. So again, if you, if you want to get your hands on a, on a Narcosis code, send us an email at podcast at gbfeature.com. Tell us what game holds up well in spite of its poor graphics, and then let us know what system you would like to get a code on. And with that, did we what did we get last time? What were, what were people saying about romance in games, Jared?
1: Yeah, we had someone by the name of TJ write in. Uh, we asked, what is your favorite romantic relationship in a video game? And TJ wrote, Last Day of June contains my favorite romantic relationship in a video game as it manages to perfectly capture the emotions of being in a loving relationship and indeed the feelings of loss and emptiness when the object of affection is no longer there, as well as the lengths someone will go to to keep their love alive. This made all the more impressive by the fact that the characters have no eyes or mouths, nor do they speak any understandable language, yet the player is able to get a perfect feel for the affection between them. It is one of the few games that managed to make me tear up. I highly recommend it if you haven't already played it. And that game um, that I said at the top of that was Last Day of June. I have not heard of this game, so I have not played it, obviously. I hadn't heard of it when
0: we got this email. I went looked into the game. The video game trailer for this will make you want to cry. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) It seems very heartbreaking. And just like TJ said in the email, even without the use of dialogue, or even recognizable expression, the game is very communicates emotion very well, which is one of the reasons why I get so frustrated when games rely so heavily on things like spoken exposition. Because like as, <laughs> Destiny, <laughs> uh, dude. Don't, I mean, for as much as I love Destiny, don't get me wrong, the story, the storytelling in that game is is bad. So Last Day of June seems really magical in that it's connecting on very human elements like very recognizable uh, emotional touchstones that it doesn't need things like dialogue or even super expressive graphics you know like they're not in there mo actors faces to, to communicate this stuff it, it's all very basic ways of communicating story but but very effective, and I. And this is only from the trailer. Like I almost cried watching the trailer. I'm excited to, <laughs> again, get my PC built so I can hopefully fire a game like this up and and really dig into the the kind of storytelling that that it's engaging in. So thank you, TJ, for the uh, for the recommendation and for writing in. We
1: really appreciate it. And thank thank you for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Like it. it that interaction was was awesome. I'm glad that TJ wrote in and um, told us about that. Um, I do want to mention that. On our romance episode, uh, I think Victoria recommended a game um, that's on Android and iOS called Florence. And that is also a game that depicts relationships without the use of dialogue. Um, It has a more fleshed out art style than I I think Last Day of June does. But it it goes through an entire relationship using symbolism and and, and stuff like that. It's something that that almost anybody who's been in a relationship can relate to. It tells a beautiful story. So I would, I would recommend checking out Florence by Annapurna Interactive. It, it, it is a great experience. I played it on the plane. I think you can get through it in like an hour. I really enjoyed my time with that.
0: Right on. Well, thank you, TJ, again. And thank you to uh, the, the few other people that we had right in. Uh, we will try to get to those emails in future episodes. Um, but for now, we'll just leave it here. Uh, again, if you want to reach out to us, our email is podcast at gbfeature.com. Get these narcosis codes off of us. They're heavy. I don't. I don't like holding all these codes. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this episode of Game Breaking Feature. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm looking. So I'm looking at old notes. This is this is like the old notes from when we recorded this episode originally, and our our outro is written different here.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Forgot how to podcast. I forgot how. How do you podcast? Check us out on Twitter. You can reach us at GB Feature Podcast. At gbfeature.com is our email address. We also have. <laughs> I feel like you tried to take it over, and it's it's not going well. <laughs> I have a, we have a contact form on our website, so you can reach us in a lot of different ways.
0: <laughs> Did I do it? I don't know. Uh, as a reminder, we release new episodes every two weeks. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. If you like what we do and want to help us out, head over to iTunes and give us a review. We want to thank Kyle Clark for making our theme song. You can check out his podcast, This Is Rad, on iTunes. I'm Steven Bennett. That's at Steven underscore the gamer on Twitter.
1: I'm at Jared Brunner on Twitter.
0: We want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to us struggle through another episode of Game Breaking Feature remember it's okay to disagree just don't be a dick about it
1: and, and, and don't listen to our old podcast they don't hold up no they they definitely do not <laughs> all right, all right man have, have a good one, Jared. has it gotten better
0: i think i don't know that's like asking <laughs> someone that's like asking someone if they're cool or not i don't think you can determine if you're cool we'll like let our have, listeners decide you have to be told that you're cool you know what i mean don't, don't go back. Don't, don't bother. Don't go back and listen to them and then tell us if we got better. Just save yourself the trouble. If you're listening to this episode, you're listening to the best version of this podcast. <laughs> God. Or the worst. I don't know. <laughs>